0: Hi everybody, this is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Wednesday, July the 19th, and welcome to our commentary. You know, I had a chance uh, a little bit during lunchtime to watch uh, the whistleblowers who are in front of the House committee today. And, you know, I obviously have not seen the entire presentation, and I'm sure more information will come out uh, today or tomorrow, if they come back tomorrow. But I can tell you this much, and I tweeted about this a few minutes ago. The whistleblowers must be hitting their targets. They must be hitting their targets. Because the only thing the Democrats are talking about, whenever they get a chance, the only thing they're talking about is Trump. All they do is talk about Trump. And Trump this and Trump that and Trump this and Trump that uh, so I think these whistleblowers must be hitting their targets now again I don't know who these people are I can only go by impression sounds to me like they're serious people sounds to me like you know someone who's willing to go in front of a committee and take an oath and with the risk of perjury uh, you know that someone like that is probably pretty serious I, you know if you go in front of a committee and you lie You're going to go to jail for committing perjury. Uh, So these are serious people, and I think what they're saying needs to be listened to. Again, the mere fact that the Democrats are talking about Trump every time they get a chance to talk about something tells me, tells me at least, just from a quick observation, that these whistleblowers are hitting their targets. They are hitting their targets uh, whenever whenever they speak. Uh, Just a quick note, I have a post over at the American Thinker today. Uh, you can check it out at the American Thinker or go to my blog. I republish all my American Thinker stuff on my blog. And my post today is about Senator Manchin and the possibility that he runs uh, as an independent in 2024. Now, it wouldn't be independent, uh, an independent party. It would be in what is known as the No Labels Party, which is a party that uh, a couple of people have put together, including former Senator uh, Joe Lieberman. At the moment, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think if the no-labels party can get itself in all 50 states, they're not right now in 50 states, if they can get there, I think he could be a very effective uh, campaigner because he is a, a, a knowledgeable man and someone who could appeal to people who may not be interested in one party or another. Who does he hurt? At the moment, I would say he hurts Joe Biden more or the Democrat more. But, you know, it's so early to tell uh, who, really, who really knows. Well, we here in Texas are in the middle of a legal diplomatic battle with Mexico. Mexico is filing a diplomatic complaint uh, that these barriers that the governor is putting on the border are inhumane and also a violation of an international treaty between the two countries. Now, I'm not, getting, I'm not going to get into the international treaty, because I don't really know enough about it to tell you. I do know, just from common sense, that Texas has the right to protect its border. Texas has the right to put something on the Texas side of the river. So I would think that Texas can do that. But there's a larger issue here. A lot of Democrats are jumping on this barrier and criticizing the governor of Texas, But the reality is that the governor of Texas did not create the humanitarian crisis on the border. The governor of Texas didn't do this. He's reacting to it, I agree with that. And he's been forced to take some harsh measures, I agree with that. But he's not responsible for the humanitarian crisis. There's two parties responsible for it. The Biden administration and what's happening in Mexico. The Biden administration decided not to pay attention to the border uh, I remember this video that came out of Robert F. Kennedy who went down to the border and made up this little video and distributed it where he was basically saying that what he saw on the border, what he saw on the border was completely unsustainable. You cannot continue doing what we're doing on the border. At some point, you lose control of your border, which is what he was saying. The other big problem here is what's happening in Mexico, and that's the perfect storm that comes together, and that is that criminal organizations in Mexico have figured out that there's two ways to make a lot of money. One is, obviously, drugs, bringing fentanyl, in this case, to the United States. And the other one is trafficking people, human trafficking. And this is uh, for the Mexican criminal organizations, has become a very profitable business. And unfortunately, the government, government of Mexico cannot do anything about it. The government of Mexico cannot do anything about it. They may talk a good game, uh, but they really cannot do anything about it because these criminal organizations are controlling many areas of Mexico where the trafficking and the fentanyl is, is going on. And they're not doing anything about it. Again, I don't think they can because I think they've lost control of significant parts of Mexico. So that's how you get the humanitarian crisis, the perfect storm between You know, between what's happening in Mexico and the absence of leadership of the Biden administration, and that's what creates the humanitarian crisis on the border. Look, I've lived in Texas. It's going to be 39 years. It was 39 years ago in July that I came here. So I've been here almost 40 years. I have never seen a situation on the border like what we're seeing right now. It's just completely, completely out of control. Just a couple of quick notes here. Uh, Speaking of Mexico. Mexico has just passed China. Mexico is now the number one trading partner with the United States, which, of course, even puts more importance on having a stable Mexico on our border. Mexico has been growing quite a bit, uh, or the relationship between Mexico and the United States economic relationship has been expanding to the point right now where Mexico is the number one trading partner of the United States. They passed China uh, sometime this year, so again... We have to be very concerned about what's going on in Mexico because there's such a economic uh, relationship between the two countries. Something else, too, that happened yesterday, I guess it's not official yet, but it should happen any moment, is that apparently President Biden, President Trump is going to be indicted again, and this is going to be over January 6th, as we understand. Now, the, the actual indictment is not a certainty. He got a letter from the special counsel saying that he was a target, but that doesn't mean that he's actually going to be indicted. But it usually does. It usually means you will be. And, you know, exactly what impact is this going to have on his campaign, on the country as a whole? I was listening to the governor of Georgia, Governor Kemp, who I don't think that he and Trump are the best of buddies. You know, they had a little problem uh, between them regarding the the 2020 election and what happened in, in Georgia. I mean, Kemp is a Republican, but I don't think he's a a big fan of of Donald Trump and Governor Kim came out and said something that is very profound and I hope people are listening to this in the special counsel's office he basically said if you're going to go after the president of the United States you better have such a strong case that it's overwhelming that it doesn't even get to a case I mean it doesn't even get to a trial because it's so overwhelming that the accused will cut a deal somehow to avoid having to go to trial Well, the case in New York doesn't fit that. I mean, the case in New York is a joke, and everybody knows that. Uh, The case over documents, I mean, they're still talking about that, but not a lot of people think that's a strong case. And now this one over January 6th, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to base the indictment on, because you cannot indict President Trump because he gave a speech. I mean, he said, by the way, during the speech, if you listen to it, that people should walk peacefully uh, and lawfully, uh, to to the Capitol, so he didn't encourage anybody. He did not encourage anybody to go and uh, attack uh, the Capitol. The other thing too is that the attack in the Capitol was already happening before the president uh, finished uh, speaking. And I think you could argue, as I do, that the attack in the Capitol was made possible not so much because of what Trump said, but because of the fact that the Capitol was not. Uh, was not protected. But I think the larger picture here is all these indictments against Trump, I think I don't think they're helping the country, nor do I think they're helping uh, the Biden Department of Justice. Because after a while, people begin to think that you're piling on, that you're piling on. And that's where I think we are right now. That's where I think we are. I said it before, and I'll repeat it. The smartest thing that the Attorney General could do would be to terminate some of these investigations and simply say, look, you know, we're going to let the American people decide this in the next election and just, uh, and just move on. That would be the smartest thing uh, that he could do. But, of course, we don't know if he's going uh, to do something, something like that. Just a quick note on this day in history, 1964. You know, this is an interesting day because our family had just arrived in the United States, and I didn't learn about this until a few years later uh but on this day in 1964 Luis Tiant one of the great pitchers uh in major league uh, baseball history won his first game he won a 3 to nothing shutout over Whitey Ford and the mighty Yankees who at the time were the defending uh World Series champs so Luis won the first game it was the beginning of a great career eventually he won a couple of games in the World Series eventually He won uh, over 200 games in his amazing career. And even though he's not in the Hall of Fame, he should be. He should be considered for the Hall of Fame uh, at some point. But Luis Tiant, uh, one of the great Cuban pitchers of the 20th century, won his first game on this day in 1964. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.